It's not enough to simply be the best product anymore. You have to show people why it matters to them. That's why positioning and messaging is everything. It's how you connect to what customers really care about, make your product's value clear, and stand out from the rest. Easy, right? No, it's not. But you can learn from folks who have faced and conquered these challenges before. So join me, Emma Stratton, as I talk to top product marketing leaders about the wild and wonderful world of messaging, the thrills, the spills, the hard-won truths, and the total myths, the adventures in messaging. I'm Emma Stratton, and today I'm joined by Jason Perocho, VP of Product Marketing at Braze. Hey, Jason. Hey, Emma. How are you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. It is so good to have you on the show today. I'm super excited to talk to you because you have so much experience about messaging, positioning, um, product launches. I hear you've done some 30 product launches in your day. Yep. I even can't believe I did that much in six years. Oh my God, six years. Wow. That is like seriously impressive. Um, so, you know, we were chatting earlier about, you know, messaging in general, and you have some strong beliefs about how messaging should be, which I love. And uh, you shared that you have some rules to live by when it comes to creating great messaging that you've kind of um, you know, figured out over the years. Tell me a bit about that. What are your rules to live by when it comes to messaging? Yep. And I would say after 30 product launches, positioning and messaging is my baby, like my specialties. <laughs> I will admit right now, I, I still don't believe I'm good, but these rules have really helped me drive my career and be successful at positioning and messaging. Nice. So those rules are really around, but messaging has to be clear, concise, benefit-driven, sequential, and solve a specific problem. So it has to be more how-to. Bonus points if there's alliteration around it. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so let's dive into each of these about kind of just what you mean by each of these things. Yep. So first, clear. When I say clear, it has to be easily and readily understood. You can't use lofty language or obtuse language when it comes to messaging. It should be very straightforward. The smartest people use the easiest words to communicate their thoughts. And that's actually a really difficult skill set. <laughs> Absolutely. With you on that one. Yep. Uh, the second is concise. Uh, my favorite quote was by Mark Twain, or you know, at least I believe it's Mark Twain. And he said, I was going to write you a short letter. I didn't have the time, so I wrote you a long one instead. Yes, classic. <laughs> classic. Every product marketer should know that one. Uh, but concise messaging means say it in the fewest amount of words possible. Your subject, the person that you're marketing to is super busy. They will spend maybe a half a second reading one of your benefit statements. And if it takes them longer than half a second or a second to read it, they're just going to move on. Absolutely. No, for sure. Yep. So third, uh, it has to be benefit driven. So if they are going to take that half second to second to read it, then it must touch on some core problem that they're trying to solve. Like it has to speak to them, like solve one of their problems. Absolutely. So third, if it's going to solve one of their problems, 
you might as well tell them how to solve their problem. So I really like this mentality of how to in your when writing benefit statements, because you want to like guide them through that process of how your product solves their specific problem using those benefit statements, which honestly takes us to the sequential part of it all. If you're going to have three statements about your product, because, you know, everybody loves the rules of three, <laughs> uh, it might as well be sequential. So tell them what to do first. What's that first benefit that you can achieve? Which is that first step? What's that second thing that they need to do? Like, what's the benefit that you help them there? What's the final thing that they need to do? Like, what's that benefit? And then finally, if you want to make it like a little bit more memorable, uh, use alliteration. Like, that has, for me, like traditionally worked, but it's more of a nice to have than a mandatory thing to have in your messaging. Yeah. So are we talking about alliteration in headlines or yep. even just in, yeah. Can you, can you recall any good alliterative headlines that you've done in the past and putting you on the spot, but. Yep. Uh, well, one of the, one of the best ones that, like, that I've seen is find, win, keep. I mean, that's not alliteration, but it's, it's the, the simple, the simple way of explaining like what does our core Salesforce product do for small, medium sized businesses? Like it helps you find new customers with like win them easily and then keep them for a lifetime. That's like right. that, that type of simple messaging hierarchy is actually the best because it helps people remember. It's like, Oh, but I remember three things. They remember those three words and they're like, Oh, they associate that with your product or brand. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's like a quick hit list. Um, I love rule of three. I think that's, it's one of those things It's you almost intuit, like you intuitively like things in three. And I thought, I think it's really interesting, like how it works. Like, you know, what the, the thought process is behind the rule of three. Have you been a nerd like me and actually looked that up? Oh man, I wish I did. What is it? No. So it is, um, this is like a long clunky way of saying it, but it's, it's the perfect number. It three is just enough that it actually creates a pattern, um, which we kind of like a repetitive sort of pattern in our mind, but but not so much that it's like hard to remember. So it just strikes that balance of like long enough, not too short, that it sticks in our mind and it's like pleasing. It's something about that kind of the pace and the pattern. And so the idea is that anything in threes is like more memorable and also pleasing for our brains. So yeah, it is like an actual thing like that. There's something, you know, four is too much. Two is not enough, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. That <laughs> explains why my parents had three kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's just like the perfect kind of, you know, rounds that number perfectly. Um, I love everything, you know, you're talking about. I think sequential is really interesting kind of going through um, with the benefits first then and then finally. Um, do you have like, how do you make sure that, you know, your messaging is clear? Is there, how do you kind of coach people around making sure it's understandable and simple? Yep. Well, first is to understand like with your messaging, what altitude are you messaging at? Mm. Now, when we talk about altitude, I like to think about like, are you talking about like a feature level, a product level, a solution level or a brand level? Right. Like, each one of those like are very important because like when you think about your target of who you're trying to communicate with, you have to understand like, who is this for? So for example, when I do release marketing uh, or my team does release marketing more accurately, we're releasing the latest and greatest features that came from, from a past company, Salesforce. And those are very much 
feature level releases that are being released to our current customers, right. most, most likely the end users. So like you have the audience in mind, you understand what level it's at. So you want to communicate the benefits for somebody that would care about a new feature for that, for the actual user. So again, it's probably just thinking about that, like messaging hierarchy and like exactly on defining out who that persona is that you're talking to. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think it is. It's like meeting people where they're at. And I think, yes, a lot of times I know you can be toned up. You cannot really think about how much do they know, right? How much do they already know about the product or not? How much do they know about the issue, you know, the things we're talking about. And I do think a lot of times in messaging, like it goes over people's heads because they, the writer perhaps hasn't thought about, you know, the level of understanding or awareness that that, that prospect has, right? The, the different stages of prospect awareness, I think, is a concept that um, is, uh, do you ever use that kind of the, the stages of awareness? We haven't used necessarily the stages of awareness, but we have, like, I have felt like the biggest trend that like I'm kind of seeing right now is like messaging at their a product versus solution level. I think that's right. a huge trend that's going on. Oh, tell um, me a bit about that. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So like the, like the messaging at a product level, like we're usually solving some kind of user's pain point mm -hmm. uh, or like to refer to it as the little P pain. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I think I just my age. How much I love T-Pain. <laughs> but at the at a bigger level, which I think is like the way, direction that we're heading now, is more solution messaging. Right. Uh, and in order to grab a line of business buyer's attention is to usually solve that greater business problem or what I like to call the big P-Pain. <laughs> oh my God, I love this. The big P-Pain, right. Like the business one versus just the individual, right? Exactly. And again, it's just about defining out what altitude we need to communicate at, like who's in the room, who are we trying to market to and try to sell and under, like speaking to them at the appropriate altitude. Love it. So good. Hey, you made it all the way through. Thank you for listening. And as a reward, here's a little extra bonus content. So I love you how you have this really strategic approach to how you create messaging. I think that's super cool and obviously probably really helpful for your team, um, which makes you think about positioning, right? Which is sort of like the, you need to get the strategic part done first before you launch into messaging. So tell me about positioning. Like, how do you approach it? How do you think about it in your work? Mm -hmm. Positioning is like the most fun thing, the most strategic thing that a product marketer gets to do. <laughs> this, this is it. Easy. This is the most fun. Doesn't get better than positioning, right? Right. I mean, people, everybody wants to have like some type of strategy role in the company. Everybody tells me they're like, oh, I'm a big thinker. I've got lots of ideas. It's like, <laughs> great. Let's start with positioning. Let's hear those big ideas. <laughs> and I think the problem that we're trying to solve like with positioning is where in the marketplace does our product belong? Right. Uh, and like one of the first questions that I ask with around positioning is like, what is our unique space in the marketplace, which divides right into what category are we actually in? Now, this is a tough one, Jason, because these are crowded, crowded spaces. The products are overlapping like they're, you, they could be seen as different things like this seems like kind of the biggest thing. Mm hmm. Yep. Like category definition is probably the most important for 
you as a product marketer, but for you as a business or an organization. Because if everybody's not aligned to what category we're actually operating and building product, marketing product, selling product, then there is a total misalignment of entire of the entire business strategy. Right. Right. So how do you then like, how do you approach like figuring out where we fit in the marketplace? I mean, have yep. you created categories before and, and, you know, in your past? Yeah. Uh, and it always starts with the customer. Okay. Because you can't argue about what the customers are actually doing and doing a lot of endographic research about how they're actually using your products, your competitors' products, your perceived competitors' products. Right. Uh, and the first thing that I did when it came to category definition was literally interview 150 of our existing customers. Wow. Uh, when I was at Salesforce. To set the stage, we were in this, we were in the early stages of Community Cloud. Uh, we were trying to identify what our core use cases are for uh, Community Cloud. And we had this assumption that we were playing in the collaboration space. Like that was our category, customer and partner collaboration. Well, we went out and after interviewing a lot of our our customers, like I specifically own partner community and the biggest piece of feedback said, no, we do not want our partners collaborating together. We do not want them in groups. We want partners, partners accessing data and information from us. We want to push sales processes on them so that they sell and market our services. Right. So we're like, okay, I mean, we are a CR, we are a CRM. We did create some partner relationship management features, but when we went back and asked them, like, so you need partner relationship management, they're like, yes, but we're also going to purchase this other software because it was really about providing them a unique or personalized experience. Like we have a lot of different partners and we want to personalize each experience like with the right workflows, with the right content. And that was really the aha moment for both me and like the product team. Like we saw that they liked, like they, they liked the idea of a portal that we were doing. They didn't like community. They wanted <laughs> the workflows, uh, but they also cared about experiences. Well, over the course of a couple of years, like the product team and the product marketing team realized that we we're not so much in the collaboration space. We wanted to get into experience platforms, but also leverage our strength as a CRM, a customer relationship management software. So what we ended up deciding that we were doing in my specific product is that we weren't powering partner collaboration or even partner relationship management. What we're doing in this era of all digital selling was powering partner experience management. Because we had to manage experiences of our partners across a multitude of different online touch points, serving them the right content, serving them the right services, the right workflows, so that they could sell on our behalf. So it was kind of taking an antiquated term of partner relationship management, bringing it up to partner experience management, and then leveraging what the product management team was developing, saying, look, we have a world-class CRM. We have, a, we, have, we have developed a competitive experience platform. We've combined those two areas together and we were essentially managing now experiences. So we were an experience management category. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, that's so cool to hear how that really evolved talking to customers and finding out like how they're actually using it. And the fact that they, you know, this is not a collaboration. I mean, that's mm -hmm. huge. What if you had gone ahead with, with that, you know, it just would have, wouldn't have resonated. Right. 
Exactly. And like one thing that like people could fall victim to in the SaaS space is that they more like, they look at their adoption utilization methods. They're like, oh, people are using this feature. It right. must be popular or they must be using it exactly how I think they're using it. Right. Uh, it's on us like product marketers and even product management teams to go investigate exactly how they're using it so we can inform both our messaging and product strategy. I love that. Not to just rely on just like the data alone and, and make your own inferences. And it's actually speak to people and get that kind of color around the usage exactly. and really understand. No, that is so cool. I love that. Thank you for sharing that story because I know, you know, category creation, it's, it's on everyone's mind and it's hard, right? How do you do it? So that's just a really great, um, you know, process that you shared with us. So thank you about that. Um, so we have a ton of viewers who are product marketers, you know, up and coming at different stages in their career. And, you know, you've, you've been around the block a few times, you've seen a few things. Uh, do you have any advice you would like to share with product marketers who are kind of rising up in their career? Yep. I would say product marketing could mean a lot to a lot of different organizations. There isn't a clear definition of product marketing. That's why these types of organizations, these types of podcasts even exist they'll bring clarity to what is even offered. <laughs> so what I would say is like, understand like the three different areas of product marketing, in my opinion, and you could in product marketing, I believe that you could either be somebody that's more oriented to the sales teams, which is go to market, somebody more oriented toward the product side, the product organization, which are more of your technical product marketers, or somebody that's more oriented toward demand gen and corporate marketing, uh, which is your market programs type PMM. And to investigate all, all those areas, because depending on what company you go to, some may exist, some may not exist. And then to create a North Star, like state where you want to go, like what areas most influence you, maybe you want to do all three, and then use that North Star to kind of guide what organizations you talk to. Because at the higher end, your companies are going to get more specialized and you'll probably only do one of those functions. On the smaller company size, you might be able to do all three. But it's to really figure out what do you get the most enjoyment of? Because each one of those respective areas has brings a different skill set to the table. Yeah, no, that's really, really good advice. So which is your kind of area then, would you say? Uh, my, my North Star has always been, I want to be a product marketing leader. I want to eventually be a general manager or even maybe a CEO in the future. So I've always looked to have the broadest type possible definition of product marketing, encompassing all three areas. And Anytime that I could reach for a position that gets me to all three, three areas is the area that I gravitate to. And it's honestly one of the most exciting reasons why I'm at Braze is because it's an emerging com company that needs to do all three extremely well and to develop a team that is able to develop and bring forth like the best practices for each of those areas to drive a business. So uh, I think for me, I would rather be the generalist driving the business than a specialist having niche focus in one area. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, thank you for kind of outlining those those options because yeah, everyone's different, come come into the role for different reasons and just kind of having that North Star and mm -hmm. clarifying, you know, this is where I want to play is it can help you move faster rather than sort of just like bumbling around in the dark. Um, like, you know, a lot of us do at times in our career, right? You're just sort of like kind of going from thing to thing. So uh, that's really, really good advice. It has been a, a total blast chatting with you, Jason. I've really enjoyed having you. So thanks for being on the show. Yep. I appreciate all the, all the time and I hope it was helpful for all the audience. 
Yeah, absolutely. And thank you to everyone who is watching today. Definitely stay tuned next week for another episode of Adventures in Messaging. See you later. Thank you. Bye. Cheers for listening. For more messaging fun, sign up for my newsletter at punchy.co forward slash newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter.